0: And the thing is that creating this event, thanks to the festival and Stella, is actually creating euphoria for us. I want people, queer people, to come here to be happy and to be fulfilled and to be uplifted. And that's what drag does. And drag should be, in my opinion, transgressive. It should be disturbing and mostly it should be disturbing for like the people oppressing us mm. meaning i'm not i'm not doing drag to comply and to assimilate i'm doing yes. drag to change things and to make my mark and my place in this society and world yeah. that's my message with my event yeah
1: Queering the Perspective with Bela right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of this third season and our first artist talk, which is going to be with Sasha. Hello, Sasha.
0: Hello. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm good, early morning feels on a Monday,
1: but but we're
0: here, we're here, we're making it happen.
1: It's a good reason to wake up, I would say. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we want to use this series to highlight the artists that are going to perform or curate events at the QTL Summer Pride Festival that is going to be happening in June and July in Berlin. And give them a voice to talk about themselves, to talk about their art, and to talk about the events that they're gonna put on. So let's get into it. So Sasha, first of all, what are your pronouns, and what are you up to these days? So again, I'm Sasha. Hello. Uh, my pronouns
0: are they zem I'm non-binary, and. Um, I'm a drag artist under the name Sasha Kiels I'm originally from Paris, France, but I moved to Berlin just two weeks before the pandemic started. in two March. Two weeks? No yes, way. In March <gasps> 2020. <gasps> but obviously, I knew Berlin from before, but not as a local. But I'm like, basically like a pandemic Berliner, if you mm-hmm. could say. And yeah, I'm at the same time, exactly as you were saying, I'm both a performance artist and also an event producer mm-hmm. and I'm very happy to bring La Guillotine which is an event that I used to do in Paris okay, uh, to like the pe- uh, like the festival this summer in a weekly form so it will nice. be every Thursday of the month it's starting actually on a Friday and then the second edition too because of timing but like consider it like a weekly every Thursday thing and it will be from 6.30 till 10. Nice. It's a drag show, but the first part is not only a drag show. It's a talk with okay. the different performers and wow. artists of that night. So we, like that's something that as a drag performer, I feel we don't have a lot of opportunity to do. So mm-hmm. it's basically showing where we're from, what's what unites us, why are we doing this basically our story it's nice as an audience member but also for me as an event producer and artist to actually be able to get to know people because when you're like on the scene working for like a gig or a performance you don't really get to go deep into who people are and that's exactly the purpose of the yeah. festival is uniting different queer artists together and breaking the boundaries that there could be between the audience and the performers. Because the thing with uh, nightlife and the performance part is that it's short, it's happening for a short amount of time, but we all live you know, as human beings the rest mm-hmm. of the time, and it's important to show that the messages that we show in our performances in drag can actually transfer in our daytime life. That's my purpose with this project.
1: Amazing. I have so many things I want to ask you, so many things that I'm curious about, about your work and your art. But before that, I want to also ask you the two questions that are going to be recurring on this season and to get to know you a bit better. So first question... If you could invite three people to a fantasy dinner, who would it be? So this is obviously like a very tricky, a classic,
0: but very tricky (laughs) question. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Made me think a lot. So I think actually like a person, like it could be anybody. If I had like the magical power to uh, get somebody at a dinner would be like the um, uh, music producer and artist Sophie, actually. Mm. Like my trends and we Awakening was done a lot with the soundtrack of Sophie as an mm. artist. And I think for our generation, it was one of the biggest uh, artistic loss, just out of the blue. And there's been so many, kind of like what we are doing now in an interview. I, I remember watching an interview of, of Sophie and somebody asked her, if you had the choice between either flying or being invisible, which uh, power would you choose? And I love their answer, which was actually, I'm all about visibility. So like, that's what I want to be about these days. And it was very inspiring for me. The second person would be actually two people in one. I would love to see like my parents actually to that dinner because I'm from Paris, but I feel like I really developed myself in the scene or elsewhere and even though i come back there re- regularly i feel like they don't get like as every queer person and especially trans people they don't get the full picture of me or sometimes sadly they don't want to see the full picture of me and i would like them to be able to witness it like fully at this dinner whatever it would be and the last uh, guest was definitely like be anybody which who is actually in the political field, but actually anti-trans and anti-queer. Okay. I would actually... Because I feel like when you're inviting people at the table who are already, in a way, on your side, it can be really fulfilling and uplifting. But I feel that I had some really good in my life breakthrough with people who were actually either against or ignorant about it. And okay. then seeing this space and you taking space and you being exactly like what we are doing now honest and approachable at the first time they might have like a sadly which is the dangerous part like kind of like a violent reaction Mm -hmm. but slowly but surely um when you when you see somebody who is comfortable in their skin and who is preaching just basically respect and love of one another, I really feel maybe in a very optimistic way that it cannot touch you in a way. Even Mm. if you have so many barriers, I feel at some point it will resonate, maybe years after, maybe, maybe like way after the fact. But yeah, I would definitely invite somebody with basically not only not an ally, but like an adversary. And mm. maybe they will show up to the dinner or not. <laughs> but I would rather be the one extending the invite.
1: Mm. Wow, thank you so much. I just got chills all over my body for the second and the third answer you gave. Thank you so much. I think that's really a powerful dinner <laughs> that you created there. and um, With French food, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Well, yeah, when I was thinking about these questions, like I did not expect this kind of answer. So, wow, <laughs> thank you. And uh, second question, if you could change one specific thing about the world we live in overnight, what would it be?
0: I would definitely... Like I would take again something that is um, actually very concrete that I think all of us have have, uh, felt and that I think a lot these days is that when I was growing up, uh, like particularly like in primary school, you know, the one that is before middle school, when Mm -hmm. you're like between, I guess, seven and nine. or Right. I think it's around that age. I would love for like we were talking about a uh, awareness team earlier about this thing i would love like for children that there would be actually in the courtyard like at like i think in english we call that recess you know mm-hmm. like the break between classes i would love to have like an awareness team of whatever sort it is to help children because that's where the abuse really takes form i remember yeah I'm I'm having chills also on my spine right now. I will, like that's where you really learn the like to hate each other. That's where like the slurs, the homophobia, transphobia, like the racism, everything forms there. And I now now that I'm like older, I have kind of those flashbacks of things that were said and or that happened to me and I'm like where were the adults? Where where was the person who could actually help me? And show support and extend, like, an helping hand instead of just me having to go through this. Because recess, of course, happens several times a day. You're in school, like, four times a week or more. And it really is, like, the root of, I think, a lot of problems. And seeing, like, or, or when I would complain to, like, uh teacher or like oh i'm being bullied and they're like well it's life you have to budge it up basically yeah. it it actually really breaks my heart now that i'm like an adult that an adult could say that to somebody with like a 8 year old kid being mm. like well they're just treating you like less than human but that's okay it's actually the root of what then Happens in your life and yeah. how you have to deconstruct all of that And being your own cheerleader Your own supporter yeah. In a way it makes you like a champion I feel like if you're like a queer person Who basically makes it to adulthood. You have been through so much, you have been through like some things that other people don't even have an idea, even your parents. Like, exactly that's what I was saying before for the other question. So, what I would definitely yeah. change if I had like a magic wand is getting rid of this toxicity that we experience as children in these spaces from mm. the beginning. It could be through yeah. an awareness team. It could be through, like, finally some good education about gender and, like, sexuality from an early, really early age and not seeing that as, like, this taboo thing almost, like, like I think that the most uh, hurtful thing that uh, straight culture has done to us is uh, making our edi- identity always sexualized. Mm. So it's a, it's a good way for them to... Not talk about it and make it something that is taboo for children. Discredited. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely what I would change. It's a big answer, but
1: um, that's something that I think a lot about these days. Yeah, but we need these big answers, I think. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, so... I was uh, I was actually very curious I've I've seen you perform a few times and I've seen your art a lot of the times and I was sorry (laughs) (laughs) and of course I think nobody can come across your your art and not be fascinated by it but I was just wondering how did you get into it where is your passion stemming from. So I really started, like, I'm first a visual artist. I
0: studied drawings, etching, artist books, and I still do, like, not as much anymore now that I'm, like, really, like, a full-time performance performer, basically drag performer. But I started drag when I was doing an art residency in Los Angeles, uh, just after I graduated from art school. Mm -hmm. And it was so much pressure, and it was so crushing to have, like, the American capitalism pressure on myself to basically create so many artworks for fairs and Mm. having people on my back being like it better sell it better sells and so i needed like an escape and Mm. i've i've seen drag in paris where i'm from before but it was more um personality like celebrity impersonation and I didn't really de- be touched by that. But mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, I saw finally going out to gay bars, uh, a lot of like unsolicited, in a way, drag performances happen. And I was just, I know nobody in this city. I'm alone. Uh, my way of connecting might be through this. I feel I can do it. And that's how I started, and I never stopped till then so yeah like i think the point that is important is that exactly what i wanted to happen for people to come at like guillotine here like at the festival is that seeing somebody taking control of their queer narrative and uplift themselves can spark something in others that's what it did for me and that's why now i'm doing it like through my performances and even production yeah
1: amazing Amazing and the name Lagiutin. What is the what's the story behind it? When I first saw it, I was like, <gasps> "Is people gonna get chopped or <laughs> what's gonna happen?" <laughs> well,
0: um, the funny answer would be that I want finally to be able to correct Germans on their pronunciation, so that's why I chose Lagiutin because then I can be like, "No." It's la guillotine, and not just what you said. (laughs) No, but... (laughs) Yeah. No, like, originally... So, it's um, an event that I started in 2018... No, 2019, Uh actually, in Paris. Exactly kind of like how I started drag. I was just not seeing what I wanted to see in events. And for, like, obviously, I'm French, as you can hear on my beautiful accent. Um, so what is the like something that is typically French, and at the same time my mm-hmm. events and my style of performance are political and kind of sometimes shocking and yes. basically doesn't leave you neutral. So I decided on like la Guillotine, which is uh, what we used to execute like the rich um, during French Revolution and even before, because it, it's a very um, at the same time spectacular way of like. Um, it used to be basically a show, like Guillotine. Also, yeah. like you would come and see who is going to get the chop today. Mm-hmm. But like, make it like as a queer twist, like kind of like chopping the, all your preconceived ideas. Or yes. it's like in a way, yeah. I just liked the like the representation of it, and it's so good. Like at parties for little puns and little funny, you know. And now, as I said in Berlin, it's great, so I can correct people on their accent.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love the symbolism behind it, and I am very curious what you're gonna create. So, how is it gonna go? Is it like th- always the same artists that are coming every week, or you gonna have different performers every time? Are you gonna performing yourself, hosting?
0: Tell me more. So, I'm definitely making it out for myself because I want like a new lineup every week. It's a weekly okay. show. Yes, So we're being she like, got ambitious. Yeah, we're very we ambitious. ambitious. So, like, definitely a different lineup every week uh, of different performers. Obviously, I want to focus on queer performers who are, like, more, um, let's say, not necessarily as exposed as other in, like, the mainstream club, uh, circuit area. So people, like, for example, for the first edition, and actually the two first editions, I really want to focus on people that, after this corona wave, started their own events, even if they're small, even if it's it was just one edition, I want to give the stage and also like the talk part to people asking them why are they now making new events? What is the thing that we want to keep from the scene before? What do we want like the scene to become? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely always different performers. I will be performing, of course, each time. <laughs> Uh, but I want, yeah, I want to keep it fluid. Like I created this page, uh, in Instagram page, like Guillotine Berlin, where you can reach out directly to me if you want to perform, uh, if you want mm-hmm. to give a talk. It's not only about like performing because I also want to project films by queer people that because we know how, it di- how it's difficult to show your films or like any project that you right. have through applications, through festivals. So now you have a free space where you can come and show your art. Mm-hmm. Also very important points, the entries, there's an entry fee for this event, uh, which is 10 euros for everybody. And there's like a little discount for obviously trans uh, people and BIPOC people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can message me in advance to get, because I want to be able to pay people. I want to be able that, like, yeah. it's, like again, we are n- we are enough marginalized like this that we don't want to put like all this labor and ending up in more troubles than we mm-hmm. were before. As Stella said, this is like a place where there's not getting; they are not getting any money out of it. This is a free space, so all the money comes directly to like the artist, which is something that is very rare and unheard for such a long time. So I want also people to understand that that's the moment where to put your the money where your mouth is. Meaning, yes. this yeah. is really the yes. place where rather than go to this club. W- actually doesn't care about you the rest of the time and, act- and frankly doesn't really care even when you're there S- here you can really be giving directly to the cells and make sure that you actually support queer trans people in their art and in their life because it's not a- only about the show that's why there's a talk that's why we meet each other so it doesn't end when the guillotine ends it's something <laughs> that is beyond
1: mm-hmm. nice Great, great, great. And I wanted to also speak a bit about drag culture in general. So, yeah, what what is your impression of the German drag culture or let's say drag culture in Berlin? How have you experienced it?
0: So I've been coming here for, like to Berlin for the past, I think like three or four years for different performances, but I finally moved there two years ago. So my perception of, And why I moved there basically is that the Berlin scene is very actually compared to other scenes, very diverse. There are so many artists here who are multidisciplinary, like me, meaning like they do performances, but they can also be like a sculpture, they can be like a sound uh, artist. And then, so there's it's very inspiring to see that many talented people from everywhere, like the clubs and the spaces to perform are actually. Uh, most of the time well-equipped so we can really go hard on our vision so I feel like when I was just in Paris I always felt really inspired to come to Berlin because I I was sure I was going to see things that I would not see before and feel like I'm the type of person when I see somebody doing great it actually doesn't make me bitter or like it, it lifts me up and I'm like so energized for the rest of the day or, like, the rest of the week, whatever. So um, I I would give to Berlin that it's, like, a great artistic scene. Obviously, the thing that is kind of, like, um, a shame is that like in every big city, there's a big divide between kind of like the mainstream drag circuit uh, getting sometimes a bigger, most of the time, the bigger stages, mm-hmm. the bigger opportunities. Obviously, these gay guys doing drag uh, in a very um, classical mainstream way, obviously, mm, have, more fo- yeah. have more following, have more opportunities get an access to things mm-hmm. and sadly don't really also support the other forms of drag most of the time I would say so this is something that it definitely needs to change and that is like I see again in Berlin so many people trying to make these things changes but like with La Guillotine what I wanted is I don't want to be seen as a token or as just like a diversity hire in a lineup which I see a lot Um, in Berlin where it's like, okay, we're going to have two um, beauty drag queens and then we'll throw Sasha Kild in there to be like a little, you know, edgy. (laughs) Which I don't necessarily mind, but I'm just, I just would rather have like, for me, the best drag shows and shows in general, queer shows have it's where everybody is there. So you have like the beauty queen, you have like the drag king, you have everybody, you have people like me who do, kind of all types of drag non-binary drag like that's why drag is so important because it's a representation of so many identities in a performative way like what you're presenting on stage is actually way bigger than just a five minute singing or like dancing performance yeah but i would again still give like I'm a lot back and forth between Paris and Berlin for shows okay. and I would still give like that Berlin is a that's why also I'm still here after these two years of hell <laughs> Um, it's still like for me like the one most inspiring place to be
1: okay nice yeah this also what you said reminded me a lot about a conversation that I had with Lilith the Queen, one of my dear friends for episode 14 of the podcast. We will be performing
0: at La Guillotine very soon. Mm. Mm.
1: I was going to make that reference, but okay. (laughs) Yes, and what they were, what they embody is this also drag queen culture, which I think is very interesting and I think that's something very typical also for Berlin, that you take the subversive nature of drag to this level also, that it's not only transgressing gender in the form of okay you can be a cis man performing to be a a woman or vice versa but you can also create your own forms of drag which matches your gender fluid identity for those who embody this identity so i think this makes drag also so politically relevant that many issues that we're dealing with on a societal level in the media in um, in education they are negotiated on stage mm. and I mean this is I guess also a bit what what Stella was saying also like that drag is a powerful tool to educate people she said that in the in the first episode and this I, I can see that for in represented in your vision also if I'm not mistaken
0: totally I mean exactly like my origin story with drag drag is like an awakening and it's something that is so important is that for me s- going to drag shows where I go all the time when I can is it brings me something that is very like that's something that's very taboo for a lot of like straight people and also sometimes like meaning it brings me euphoria, queer euphoria mm-hmm. uh, which like sometimes especially us as like trans people we're always sometimes depicted as like we like when we are, like I think we talked about it before like privately that mm. sometimes um, like when you're booked as a trans queer person like they want to have your suffering they want to have your your tears they want to, to see you cry bleed whatever and the thing is that creating this event um, thanks to the festival and Stella is actually creating euphoria for us I want people queer people to come here to be um, happy and to be fulfilled and to be uplifted. And that's what drag does. And drag should be, in my opinion, transgressive. It should be disturbing. And mostly it should be disturbing for the people oppressing us. Mm -hmm. Meaning I'm not not doing drag to comply and to assimilate. I'm doing drag to change things and to make my mark and my place in this society and world. Yeah. that's my message with my event
1: yes beautiful and i hope a lot of people can come a lot of queer and trans people to be uplifted but also many straight people and uh hetero people oh, that's i guess the same thing <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> it is for everybody <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. but it, so it is for everybody also it to is. learn and mm. to uh, to create allyship and to be together
0: yeah, La Guillotine is like a project for everybody. It is for y- everybody to enjoy, to support, to uplift. And the first edition is Friday, June 3rd at Asdae Statistic. So please come. It's starting at 6.30 till 10. And then it's weekly. So mm-hmm. definitely come for the premiere. But if you can't, well, you suck. Ah! But
1: <laughs> you, you can't have, go. You have a chance to make it up. Yeah, you have. Two months in <laughs> so
0: please come.
1: Please come. You will find all the information to Sasha's Instagram and like YouTube Instagram on the show notes of this podcast, and you will also find a link to the festival and hopefully. By the time that we repost this, there will be already an updated, extended lineup of the whole festival, at least the first month of June. So uh, hopefully you can also get the chance to join some of the other events. And yeah, thank you, Sasha, so much for being here today. Thank you, Bella.
0: Best (laughs) of
1: And thank you for Refuge Worldwide Radio that we were once again able to use these studios to record this episode. And yeah, see you all next time. Queering the Perspective with Bela Bellissima.